Broadcasting from a sex-writing cave somewhere in the middle of the internet, this is The Smutlancer Show, a weekly podcast where we discuss writing about sex and getting paid to do it. The Smutlancer podcast is hosted by Kayla Lords and Molly Moore, two sex bloggers who have more ideas than they have time in the day. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smutlancer podcast is produced weekly, except during those times when we finally admit we need a mini vacation. Show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. When you're ready to take your smutlancing career to a new level, join the Smutlancers community on Patreon. For as little as $5 per month, you can ask questions, get answers, and interact with both Molly and Kayla and an entire community of other people who create content about sex and want to get paid to do it. Head over to patreon.com slash thesmutlancers. That's patreon.com slash thesmutlancers to learn more. Smut Lancers podcast with me, Kayla Lords, and Molly Moore of Molly's Daily Kiss. We are happy to be with you again this week. Because spreadsheets are my friend, I can confirm that this is episode 64. <laughs> Numbers are hard, spreadsheets make them easy. Um, and this is our October mailbag episode where we answer questions and comments that we have received over the past several weeks. Um, I'm gonna remind you at the end, but let me remind you now, if anytime you listen to uh, one of our podcast episodes or you read a blog post or you're just out there living your best Smutlancer life and you have a question, feel free to reach out uh, at the smutlancer.com website. There is a link that says ask uh, the Smutlancers and you can just ask it that way. You can tweet at us, uh, at Molly's Daily Kiss, at Kayla Lords, at Eroticon UK, at the Smutlancer, like however you're connected to us. You can DM us, you can email us, send a fucking smoke signal up y'all. If you've got a question, whether it's about making money or just staying inspired or writing blog posts or recording podcasts or taking pictures, like whatever, whatever it may be, ask the question. We'll add it to our list. We may, we will try very hard to answer it in an upcoming episode. Like the questions we're going to answer this week. (laughs) I think this week's uh, questions are really varied. Like we've got like a nice like mix of stuff. Uh So let's start. I'm a top down person. Like I'm at the top of a page of a document. I just want to scroll down. So I'm going to start with the top one here. Um, uh, It's from Quinn at on queer street, Quinn Rhodes, amazing blogger. Go follow her. If you're not, Um, the question is when do you become qualified? She put quotes around that to pitch yourself to sex toy companies or adult brands as a social media manager or a content creator. Like you want to go do their Twitter for them because they are sucking at that or their blog is really pitiful and you want to help them with that and you know you can write the content. Um, She wants to know, when are you qualified to pitch yourself to them? What do you think, Molly? Um, I think that you are qualified when you can do exactly what you just said, which is look at what somebody is doing and be like, I could do that better or I could improve that for them. So if you can look at a a company's blog or a company's Twitter account and be like, I see mistakes. Here are some of the mistakes that they're making. Here's what I think that they could do better. Um, and so you can answer those questions to yourselves, then you can answer those questions to them. And that means that you can pitch yourself to them to solve those things that you think that they're doing wrong. I think the minute you can look and feel like you can come up with, um, a plan 
for somebody for want of a better word um and be able to say i think that you could do you could be doing this then i think you've got something to pitch it to people uh, and i agree and i think that when you pitch when you're because you are basically cold calling this company they might kind of know who you are and they might not have a clue who you are what you want to do is talk about how you can benefit them. So maybe they got called out on social media because they did something problematic. And you're like, ooh, if they had done it this way or if they had done this instead, they could have avoided that. So when you pitch, you don't want to like poke at a bruise on them and go, oh, you sucked at this. But you want to point out that, you know, <laughs> you know, you had that moment and here's how it could have been improved. Or right. um, you if you're pitching yourself to write their blog post, maybe their blog posts suck. Maybe they don't have a blog either way. Yeah. You want to pitch the benefit of what that content's going to do for them, what you are going to do for them. You are going to increase their search ranking by, um, writing high quality content that utilizes keywords that it's going to help them get found on Google. You're going to create content that can get attention on social media, which draws more traffic to their site. Therefore they sell more product when you pitch yourself and you're ready to tell them what you can do for them. You want to also tie it back to how it's going to benefit them what you're doing for them, how you're improving their bottom line, whether it's getting more social media followers. Sometimes that is a goal of a company and sometimes it's not. My experience tells me always lead with how you're going to increase their business. So if it's, I could get you more followers on Twitter, that for some people might be okay, but what they really wanna know is how are more t followers on Twitter or Instagram or wherever going to generate more business? What are you gonna do to make this company more money? Don't guarantee a dollar amount, y'all. Just don't even do right. it. I would not even guarantee a time frame. SEO results take, can take months. Social media can take months, but if you can tell them in concrete terms in the sense of if you have better quality traffic and like these kinds of blog posts, go ahead and pitch a few ideas of blog posts that you think would be a good fit for their, their website. You could eventually, you know, start being known for and found for these things or because a lot of the um, companies I tend to work with, um, adult companies are retailers who market like or sell lots of different products from lots of different brands. Talk about how you can help them um, get known for whatever their specific product type is that they, they want. Like, tell me your keyword and here are, you know, here's, I can do that. You wanna be known for bondage toys? You wanna be known for vibrators? You wanna be known for flashlight? Like, where do you wanna get found? Where do you want traffic to come from? I can create uh -huh. content and over time with consistency, always, always say consistency to them. They need to be reminded this takes a while and you have to keep doing it. You can, I can help you increase your business in this, okay? Uh -huh. So once you, I, I agree completely with Molly, once you can identify what's wrong with them and what you could do for them, you are totally qualified to pitch yourself. Um, it does help if you can show examples of your work. So if you wanna write for uh, an adult site or an adult brand, at least have your own blog to be able to link back and go, here's what I've written about this type of product or this right. advice. If you wanna manage their social media, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. You're going to want your social media to be kind of tight. You're going to want it to be pretty damn good. 
um, so that you can say, look, here's how I handle my social media. Here's this one example I'm really proud of. Here's this time that I went from 100 followers to 1,000 followers, and here's what I did. I think that translates to your business this way. You want to have an example. Once you get the first client who says, yeah, you can do that for me, then you can use that client as the example for who you're working with for the next pitch that you make. Um, but if you don't have anybody that you're doing it for, then you're, uh -huh. you're going to need your own examples. Another thing, and I think this got mentioned, I think we mentioned it at Eroticon, and I can't remember which which uh, session it was in. I think it was one of mine. I remember being at the front of the room is all I remember. Um, <laughs> is to swap skills with your blogging community. So like if you, if you know you're like really good at Twitter and your bloggy friend is not, offer to do to help them with that and then see if they will swap skills and help you with something that you struggle with that they're really good at. And that way your example can be not you, but the person you helped, as long as they give permission for that. So right, I've never made a joint pitch. I wonder if that would work. Like that's an interesting idea. Like I wonder if you pitched your company as a duo and said, "We're pitching to you as a duo." You know, um, my friend. Let's just pretend it was you and I, mm -hmm. and we pitched as a duo, and we were like, "Molly would do your Twitter and Instagram." Um, because this is that, that that's her skill set and here's examples of where she's done it for people and I'd write your blog because here's examples and blah blah blah, blah. and so obviously I wonder how, whether a company would I don't know do you have you ever thought of that I, I mean I have not I think you'd have to establish it as a company you would no longer be yeah. a freelancer yeah you would be yeah a you're right but yeah, and I was meaning that's a good point for getting a sort of a portfolio together. So sure. swap favors with a bloggy friend. You yeah. build their Twitter. They help you come up with better content ideas, or they manage your SEO. And that way, when you pitch yourself as a social media manager, yeah, you're like look at this other this other person's Twitter account that I totally made amazing. Here's proof I can do it. Um, and so that's a way to get some uh, free experience. That's not yeah. just your own and you can point to somebody else that you've helped. Um, but when you pitch yourself, how, however you choose to do that, make sure you have examples because n no company is going to willingly part with money. No decent company. Let me put it that way. No company with any amount of like sense is going to part with money sight unseen and you just saying that you're you're good at something you have to show examples that you've done it so that would be the yeah. that would be the other thing i would say is the moment you have some examples of where you've done it for yourself for a friend whatever you're also qualified even if you didn't get paid yeah. for it most likely you won't get yeah. paid for it then you can say okay Here's how I can help you. Here's the problem I see that you have. Here's the solution that I'm offering. Here's examples right. of where I've done this before. Let's work together. Reminder, just like pitching uh, an article idea to a website or your book to a publisher, you're going to get rejected more often than you're going to get told yes. So be prepared uh -huh. for that. It is a numbers game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This one is a series of questions. So I have on the Smutlancer website a massive, like, multi-thousand word post about how to build a <laughs> sex blog that makes money. And there's a lot of name dropping of Michael. Because... <laughs> 
a lot of what I know I learned from him. Um, and also, um, Molly and Michael just did an episode uh, a few weeks ago as of recording about uh, self-hosting. So this person's comments were left on that sex blog guide. I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to read it for yourself. Um, but we're going to zip through them real quick um, because they're... I think these are questions that come up a lot and they are like some detailed things that I think people overthink. So first question, I think Molly's probably going to answer most of these cause she knows this shit. Okay. Uh, the question was, how do we deal with adult content age 18 plus on a hosted blog? I thought this type would need like a pop-up or something like it to ensure that the reader is 18 years or older. Okay, so first of all, most important thing is obviously that your host is happy with your content. That's the most important thing, because if they're not, they're just going to shut you down, and that's going to be really annoying. So pick hosts wisely. Um, I actually think we're going to come to that again um, in a time, in a few minutes, because that comes up again. So I might just come back to that in a minute. So yeah, pick your host wisely. Um, I thought this type of blog would need a pop-up. So lots of people do have those pop-ups on their blogs where you then tick the box that says, I declare I'm 18 or over. There is no legal requirement for anyone to have that. It actually, it does very little. There's no evidence that it stops 18-year-olds from um, looking because oddly they just click the box and say they're 18. Um and so it yeah legal requirement there is no legal requirement to have it and l neither is there any evidence that it actually stops 18 year olds from looking at your blog if you feel like it is the um ethical thing to do then absolutely so really it's about whether you feel like it's the ethical thing to do to put that warning there for people that's completely up to you um if age verification in the uk ever comes actually to fruition which we seem to be dibbing back and forth with that. I can't give you an answer right now. But if that did come to fruition, that would change and you would legally be required to have age verification. Possibly. Okay. You know what? Actually, I'm going to dial that back because even that has changed. Small websites and blogs may, at this point, be legally required. It's possible that they will fall outside the remit of age verification. So nobody panic. I've told, said this repeatedly. Everybody breathe with me. Nobody panic at this point. But if that happened, you would require proper age verification software on your blog. A pop-up that people just self-declare is not age verification because anybody can tick that box. Actual age verification requires you to prove your identity through a third party um, website uh, uh, who you would submit some kind of ID to, a driver's license, something like that. And then they verify that you are over 18 and give you some kind of code that then allows you to access these sites. It's going to cost a lot of money. Um, Hopefully, small websites, the type of people mostly who are bloggers and stuff like that, will hopefully fall outside the remit of it. And hopefully, it may never even come to fruition because they constantly keep putting it on the back burner because it's a minefield of nightmare. So, yeah, currently, no reason to actually have it. Next. Okay, next question. Can you recommend a site or a blog post about any legality issues involved in writing adult content? Uh, well, we talked about this beforehand and neither of us feel like that exists. So, uh, no, I feel like um, 
different countries have different rules mostly um if we call the i don't know kind of western world um europe us whatever fairly um free about certainly written content um obviously other countries um particularly perhaps some Arabic countries have different laws, but then a lot of that stuff is restricted by what they even allow their people to see on the internet. It's not your job to restrict what you write. It's their, their those those governments restrict actually their population's ability to read it. Um, one, obviously, you know, we're not going to get into human rights issues here, but clearly that is one. Um so as far as I know, I don't know anything that gives you this. The person that the one thing you need to pay attention to is what is your host's rules on the content you're producing, because they're the people who ultimately are going to turn you off uh, if you break their rules. Exactly. And if the other thing and this I can't speak uh, knowledgeably, too knowledgeably about it, um, but in the U.S., you do have to be careful about what you say about other real people. Um, defamation lawsuits are a real thing. Sure, um, being held liable for the uh, P, sort of PR damage of somebody else. If you, if your whole blog is to talk about how X Y Z person is an awful human being. And that person decided to sue you for that, depending on the country that you are located in and the laws of your country, um, that would go somewhere or it would not. Um, even if it wasn't actually defamation or whatever, it's still kind of a, you know, a stressful thing to deal with. So that is probably, if there's really a legal standing beyond whatever is going on in your home country, um, when it comes to adult content, it's about this is true of any kind of content, vanilla or, or adult. Right. What you say about other people and how you identify them, doxing somebody and outing somebody with their personal information, revenge porn, like those kinds of rules, if that's what your content is, yeah, that's going to be a problem for you. Please don't create that kind of content. But you're just writing about sex in whatever form. Yeah, Molly's right. It's going to be your host that's going to have a problem with it well before there's like a law that comes after you for it. There are billions of websites, y'all. There's is at this point no real good way to police that. So it's your your right. host has to do it more than anybody else can do it. Okay, right. next question. What about the data privacy compliance issues slash law, which we think they're talking about GDPR. So Molly, take that away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm assuming that you're referring to GDPR. Um Yes, your blog uh, or website needs to be GDPR compliant if it is serving content in the EU. Um, if you don't want to be GDPR compliant, then you need to block all traffic from the EU, which obviously would be a fairly silly thing to do. Um, however, I do know there are a number of companies, um, not sex toy companies, but other companies who have from the US who have chosen to do that because they're like, we don't ship to the EU. So rather than be GDPR compliant, we're just going to block the whole EU. Um, but clearly for most bloggers or people I suspect listening to this, that's not something you want to do, nor is it something that you need to do. So make your blog GDPR compliant. Um, write a policy, um, a privacy policy, which should be on your blog somewhere. Um, 
they're fairly easy to do you keep them quite simple and then you can um use jetpack i believe Mm-hmm. Uh, gives you an option to turn on the GDPR privacy policy cookie tick box thingy majiggy whatnot what doodah uh, that when people go to your blog for the first time pops up and says we care about uh, your data this is how this is basically our privacy policy click here if you want to read it tick this box and then this this little thing goes away uh so you can do that really quite easily when whilst you're self-hosted and you should do it however unless you are gathering data from your readers for marketing purposes you don't you're not really doing much with it yes people might be signing up to your newsletter but clearly you're saying quite clearly if you sign up to my newsletter i will use your email address to send you a newsletter that's it. You're not then going to use their email address to market something else to them. You're not going to sell their email address, you know, all these kinds of things. And that's what your your uh, privacy policy would state. Um, so mostly for most bloggers, it's not a huge issue because you're not really using, for start, you're not storing really any data, perhaps apart from people's email who are subscribing to you. That's it. You're not subscribing. You have no other data. You can't attach that email address to their address you know it's not like you're shipping them a product where you then know their email address and their address you you don't have any of that data so um yeah it's a minimal issue and easily sorted out and i can say as somebody who has who does have a shop where i do exactly that i take email and Same payment here. and whatever that and i i know for us i think woocommerce um, cause that's who we use for our shop. And I think Jetpack both sort of talked to each other and there were templates for the privacy policy where you could yep. check a couple boxes, fill in some information. It would sort of generate it for you and then you can edit and delete as you need to. Um, yep. so it is easier than it probably seems. You just have to get comfortable sort of clicking around in the back end of your website and going, Oh, what does this thing do? And not thinking you're going to break your site. So they've put the tools there to make it easy, worst case scenario, you go to a site that is similar to yours and other sex bloggers and other whatevers, and you look at their privacy policy and you copy and paste that. You can do it on mine, kaylalords.com, lovingbdsm.net, thesmeltlancer.com, I don't care. I know Molly, yeah, sorry. No, Molly doesn't care either. Um, go find our privacy policy, copy and paste it, change all of the, pr- yes. the data, like your name yes. versus our name, whatever. And you can do that too, and it's fine. So it's not as hard as people think it is. A privacy policy, a terms of service, those are good things to have on your site, especially if you anticipate at some point going, I'm gonna sell a book through my website. I'm gonna do more yes. than just have subscribers. Like it's it's it covers you at least, so. Yeah. Okay, so this next one, uh, we're gonna try and go through quick because we have answered this many times and we will continue to answer this many times, but. So the question was, how do you promote your content? Uh, do you rely solely on SEO or do you use social media and do you publish several social media posts? I would say for both of us, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes to all of yeah. that. Uh, real quick, we have an episode on social media. We are not going to go through the social media here. On SEO, real, real quick, just so you know, there are a lot of factors that go into SEO and whether your SEO is going to work and you get found. The biggest one is time. It can take 
for even oh i wonder if ever, if the mic picked up my growling stomach my tummy just growled y'all sorry i heard oh, it God. i heard it sorry y'all i haven't had breakfast or lunch yet um uh, it can take, even for a really active site, six to eight months for a post yeah. to get traction in Google before it starts showing up and, and getting clicks, if it's going to rank in Google at a good spot or not. So right. you use it all. You write knowing that it could be found on Google. You never just write for a keyword. You write for the human being reading it, but you keep search engine optimization in mind. You also share on the social media platforms where you feel most comfortable spending your time. Um, I'm going to link in the show notes to our episode where we did talk about social media, and I'm going to ep- uh, link to the uh uh, episode Molly and Michael did about self-hosting because a lot of this information is in there. Uh, anything you mm-hmm. want to add to that? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, as you said, we've covered it extensively and you've just su- summarized it perfectly. Okay. So this next question is like a multi-part question about affiliate ads. So they, the person asked, okay, even if your site doesn't include porn or explicit photos, maybe it's just really content based. Um, some of the affiliate ads, if you're putting affiliate ads on your site, may have those kinds of images. So the question is, um, one, uh, how does your host accept this? And Molly had the best answer for that earlier. <laughs> it was uh, read their rules. How do they handle adult content? So yeah, is that simple? Find a host. Find a host that is comfortable with adult content. I mean, my my. She's saying that affiliate ads may have images on the borderline. Well, what about my blog? My blog is full of images that are way over the borderline. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That are uh, pictures of me. And the reason it's fine is because my host is um, currently comfortable with that kind of content no you can't guarantee that that's going to stay the same they often sometimes change which is why i've been through a number of hosts because they basically flake out on you halfway through where they go oh we've changed we've updated our terms and conditions and you dirty perverts are gone Uh, and so then off you go looking for somebody new they're out there so yes um find the right host that is quite happy with the titties and the bombs and whatever it is that you want to put on there and then it's not a problem right at all exactly and then the next you re- you should not be on a host that does isn't happy with it even if you're not posting there's a lot of people who are like oh, well i'm only writing words so it doesn't matter it does trust me they will eventually come for you so find a host that doesn't care whether you're writing about tits or posting pictures of tits basically exactly that's yeah if you're gonna call yourself a smut lancer yeah that's just (laughs) that's just how it's got to kind of be okay so then on with affiliate ads they ask this is your last question so how do you go about selecting the best ads for the site whether from an affiliate that you are working directly with who might provide um graphics and ads or if you're using a third party now they named adsense as the third party that can just sort of populate ads on your website we want to make very clear that for adult content adsense pretty much does not happen so you would have Uh to use a site or a system an ad network like adsense that is not adsense um Uh and easily if it's an affiliate that you're working with most of them give you many graphics to choose from or if you request a graphic they'll make it for you so you just choose the one that's the best fit for your uh blog your site your audience 
or at that you're comfortable right, with, and then ask them to um, make it for you. Um, mm-hmm. On the third party ad network, I have no real experience with them because my concern is that I won't get to choose or have as much control over the ads that are shown. I might be able to say, oh, I don't want to advertise this type of thing or that type of thing, but I still am subject to whatever the advertiser, ad, the ad that they create. I'm not creating that ad. I'm not getting any choice over that ad. It's just going to populate based on whatever the set parameters are of the network and what I can control. So mm-hmm. I have not done that um, because of that. Those ad networks do exist. Um, one I think is called Juicy, Juicy something. Um, and that they're made specifically for um, adult content. And then there are ad networks out there that are okay with adult publishers, adult advertisers, even though they um, service vanilla content and advertisers and adult, they do it all. So they're okay with it. But I have not played around with those ad networks simply because one, there's usually a minimum traffic count you have to hit before they'll even let you into their network. Um, So if your site's not big enough or got enough traffic, you can't even do it. So what's the point? And Uh two, my concerns were over the lack of control I might have. I want to know what that ad's going to look like before it ever touches my website. I want to know what the language is before it ever touches my website. So I don't have, I don't have any experience with those, but I know they're out there. Yep. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Um, I, I want to be in control. I'm not interested in something that serves content onto my website it's how you know you end up where you see websites that you like who are suddenly like wow what is this they're advertising breitbart you know right i'm not talking about small blogs here i'm talking about the kind of slightly bigger websites there's been quite a few examples of that where websites have been caught out where suddenly you know because they sign up to one of these networks they're not really noticing what's going on and the next thing you know you know you're serving content from some pretty heinous um site that doesn't fit with the ethics of your company or or the or the demographics the type of person you may be speaking to is then horrified to see that actually oddly you seem to be promoting as i said breitbart or some other site that they're like wow um so that's totally not for me i'm not interested um, any ads that appear on my site, I have negotiated with the company and I'm serving them directly from my site. They're not being pushed onto me by some uh, scheme that I'm involved in. So, yeah, I can't speak hugely to that. Um, I would be cautious would be my answer with stuff like that. I, but then I'm a control freak about my content. So I'd rather say no and and have slightly less money and know what I'm putting on there. It... Uh, Exactly. Then take a little bit of money and end up with something on there that I'm really uncomfortable with. Exactly. And the reality of these ad networks is no different than um, if you've ever heard, if you are a YouTuber, you know this, but if you watch YouTube, you've heard of it, where they talk about the ads and the money that they make from um, ad placement and the monetization of a YouTube channel. Y'all, it is fractions of a penny. So in order to make real money from an ad network on your site, you you have to have a lot of traffic and or um, a lot of patience. So for me, 
I've got a site that's starting to make traffic where it might even be accepted into an ad network, but I just keep thinking, are the pennies a month that I would get, because it's not a massive site, worth the potential that I might wake up one day to 10 emails from angry audience members because something really offensive and that doesn't fit our branding and our our ethos and our ethic and our, you know, who we are uh, showed up accidentally because I assure you when somebody sees that, even if they understand the mechanics that it was a network and it wasn't you, it is you that they are associating that with. Plus, even though direct ad placement for me tends to be very few and far between, I make a hell of a lot more money when I negotiate that for a month or two months or whatever with directly with a brand than if I just waited for the ad network and the like I said, fractions of a penny per view, um, right. impression. So yeah, it's, it, it's something to consider. Um, I, I know that there are people out there who create sites for SEO purposes, put the information out there and then kind of never look at them again. Okay. If you know, that makes sense to put that kind of ad there, but if this is your like digital home and this is, and you are the brand, it matters. Those ads can, you know, they, they tell people or they give people an impression of who you are. So you want to just be very careful with it. Okay. Next one is actually proof. We don't just answer questions. We comment on comments. Um, we got an email, uh, from Robert who said we could use his name. He listened to the, um, episode that molly and michael did about self-hosting that that and my sex blog guide man we get a lot of feedback from those two things huh apparently that's on y'all's mind okay so he sent an email and he said they had just finished that episode and he found it packed with great advice thank you very much um and he is a web developer who builds a who's building an adult social media website so he said i've experienced almost everything you described in this episode there were just a few things i would add to your recommendations so one is a really helpful hint which i feel like i should have known and i did not and that was when you are reading a web host terms of service you search the page you can do control f if you're on a windows machine or whatever or command f on a mac on your keyboard to search for terms like adult obscene or porn and that'll take you straight to wherever they are talking about that stuff um Mm -hmm. so that's a good a good tip so thank you robert for that um the second was um he says that you should consider copywriting your content to help protect you from having your material show up on another site under someone else's name molly i know you have thoughts on this so i'm gonna let you take that what what do you say so okay um basically the minute you publish something under your name um where you can show that you know you were the first person who published that you've essentially established copyright copyright can be established simply through publication um it's not necessarily to apply for copyright for everything that you do um you should absolutely have a notice on your blog that exerts your copyright and i'm just going to click to my blog because i can't even like remember oh can i even see it uh, I can. So it's right in my footer. Um, and it says, copyright, Molly's Daily Kiss. Tw- t- t- <laughs> Start again. Copyright, Molly's Daily Kiss, 2010 to 2019. So you should be updating it. Make sure that those dates are 
um, inclusive. All rights reserved. I hereby assert my right to the as the author, creator of the original material and images posted on this site. No part of this website may be reproduced or transmitted in any form or by any means electronic, mechanically, blah 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 blah, without prior permission on the web to of the website owner. Any person or persons found to be infringing copyright will face legal action. You should absolutely have something like that on your website somewhere. It, you are stating, laying claim, this is my work, I, I, I lay claim to it. Feel free, oddly, to come to my website and steal my copyright. <laughs> the, 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 the words that I've just read out to you, as I said, they're right in the footer, small print, take them, clearly change the words that doesn't say Molly's Daily Kiss, because otherwise that's wrong. Um, but those words are kind of like a generic set of words. I'm happy for people to use them. And it should be somewhere um, on your website. It doesn't need to be like in bold print somewhere. It just needs to be there. So if ever it comes to an argument with somebody, you can clearly say, point to that and say, this stuff is copyright. I've, I have a notice on my site. Uh, I, you don't need to apply for copyright for everything that you do um it's way too much work and i don't I, I just don't think you need to do it legally you own your work the minute you've published it as far as if you if you look it up right and there's there's a cost to copyright so that is another factor and it in the u.s my understanding of copyright is that what it affords you is the ability that if somebody takes your work you can come after them for a larger amount of money so if you are writing a book that you are selling, um, you are creating a product that you are selling, once you have the funds, it might be something to consider, maybe, okay? Because there's a potential that somebody else could make like tens of thousands of dollars where you did not, and that, that's a problem. But for your blog content, um, especially if it's not making any money at all right now, you, like Molly said, you own the copyright, that additional liability protection of the additional amount you can sue them for. And I think it even gives you uh, extra time, at least in the US, gives you extra time that you can come after them for copyright violations. That is gonna do you as a small website owner, small blogger, any good. Because unless you've got an attorney on retainer slash they're in your bed with you, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's gonna help. It's much. like it's like marrying a tech guy, right? right? Exactly. We both married our tech guys for a reason, okay? Um, <laughs> because we loved them, y'all. Not just because they build all our websites for us. Um, so that is that is what at least in the U.S. Yeah. copyright does. And for most of you, that's yeah. not gonna do you any good. Now, if you get to a point where your website is producing thousands of dollars a month or a year or whatever maybe maybe to have those extra protections but that's all it's doing to you it's not great applying for copyright does not grant you copyright creating the thing and publishing it and putting it out grants you your copyright so yes right okay yeah and you know what if somebody steals your work i've totally had that i've had people steal my work i've had other sites that then scrape my site and serve it on their Same. website Go after those fuckers. If it's happening to you and you don't know what to do, feel free to get in touch. But you can totally go after them. I have done it numerous times. You know, you need to find out who their host is. You need to serve them a date takedown notice. 99% of the time, it always, usually the minute I go, wait, that's my content, take that down. They immediately take it down. Um, sometimes I've had to serve takedown notices. Sometimes I've had to get in touch, find out people's hosts. It's a little bit tricky if those bastards are hiding behind Cloudflare. 
um because then it's harder to find out who their host is but yeah fucking fight that bullshit do not just be like oh somebody took my work and i don't really know what to do no somebody take your work you get out there destroy them (laughs) (laughs) and if you're feeling timid just let molly know and she'll probably go do it for you okay on to more of robert's comments so he also said that if you have a website url and name for your blog that you really like he says to consider trademarking that name um he then goes on to tell a situation where there was a name in a site and he almost used it he found out that it was already being used it would have been very costly if he had done that and then there'd been litigation um i will say this depends on where you're at right molly this is yeah so one part of this is absolutely true if you're going to come up with a name and i don't know did we talk about this that's whether it's a pen name or a blog name or whatever before you launch into it do some research do some googling if you're going to call yourself i don't know whatever you've decided your name is going to be do some googling because you might decide that actually oh wow there's already a famous so-and-so with that name so it would be silly to have the same name because then people are always going to get us confused and i'm never going to be able to own the url because she or he already owns or they already own the url uh the same with like if you're developing a meme or developing any kind of project do research before you decide that you're sticking with that name because you could totally do research and discover that actually, oh, my brilliant idea for a meme called Sinful Sunday, oh, look, shit, somebody's already doing that. So he's absolutely right about that. Um, Do research, make sure that the name that you want to use for whether it's a pen name or a website name or a meme name or a project name uh, is not currently already some project for somebody else um or is maybe associated with something else because you just it's just a wait point you're just making life hard for yourself um trademark no i wouldn't like again if you are pulling in millions or about to make your first million or even half a million then you might want to consider trademarking the brand that you are dragging in that amount of serious shit ton money with uh, but for most people who are small, independent, you know, single man businesses, freelancers or whatever, um, this is completely out of your price range. Uh, and you, you, I mean, you're going to cripple yourself doing it. For a start, trademark has to be, it doesn't, it's not universal. So tra- you can apply for a trademark in the US, but that doesn't give you a trademark in Europe. It doesn't give you a trademark in Australia. Um, so, uh, you know, you've then got to be like, well, should I then also apply for trademark in these other countries? Um, it's not cheap. It is, it is a fairly expensive thing that my suspicion is that most people in our situation, um, can't afford to do and so i don't think you need to do it i think as i said if you if you're clocking if you're really getting in shit tons of money please trademark <laughs> then <laughs> then knock yourself out but until you're at that stage then i don't think it's something that you need to do don't be like going oh my god i need to trademark your name as i said you know buy your url buy your name it make sure you own your name in various on various platforms this is advice we've given you before um but you do not need to shell out the potentially thousands of pounds that it would cost you or dollars depending on where you are um to trademark in you know the us and the europe and you know 
anywhere else for that matter. Uh, and I agree completely. Um, there might come a day where maybe I want to trademark some of this stuff, but it, it was never in the early stages. It's not even right now because, yeah, there's there's uh -huh. no way that's an investment I could make right now. Um, if you are starting a site and you have the revenue already and the site is being built strictly to make revenue and you know an attorney already you know like maybe yeah but for the average i don't think so i agree okay last one from robert this, these were really good comments and we were glad to get them it was nice to have somebody who like was li listened thought thought about it was thoughtful with their comments it was it was really cool so robert if you're listening thank you for that um this is the last one though he says, in my opinion, the biggest problem faced by bloggers who want to sell posts is that they simply don't have either the time or technical expertise to set up and maintain a site. Um, this is building and maintaining a website is still a difficult and time consuming process, even for people with lots of experience. And I know Molly has thoughts about that statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to, because Robert, I do hope that you're listening. Um, and... Uh, so I'm going to start off by saying that you and I are going to have to strongly agree to disagree on this subject and um, that, you know, obviously I'm not, nothing I'm saying here is personal, but I hugely actively disagree with you and actually dislike the um, implication that somehow self-hosting is kind of beyond the average person's ability and... Um, as somebody who set about doing this originally and knew nothing about any of this, and yes, I will happily admit that I have had the support of Michael um, and lots of this stuff we have discovered and learned together and, and also just use expertise that he generally had. I also know that lots of this I have learned and taught myself and many of the bloggers I know are doing the same thing. This is not out of your reach absolutely do not believe anybody who tells you that self-hosting is too tricky for you you poor diddums it's too hard you know for most people it's too hard no it's not this is not rocket science like you are all bright able capable people who are able to learn the internet is full of advice on how to do this you can make it as simple or as complicated as your ability allows you but you can literally buy a self-hosting package from a company install the wordpress software some places when you self-host do it for you will install the wordpress software for you when you sign up you literally go in and start building your blog just like you would on wordpress.com but it just gives you lots more things that you can do the interface will look very similar and there is literally a tutorial on YouTube for every possible th basic thing that you can do. Is it time consuming? Yes, it can be time consuming. But just like anything, you can spend a week on it or a month on it or a year on it. But And there are totally people out there who will help you. You can hire someone like Michael, who is a bargain, who will totally do the basics for you and get you going. But you can do this yourself. You can manage this yourself. You could pay somebody like him 50 or 100 bucks to get you going. He offers classes. He will teach you everything you need to know. And you 
can manage and run and do this yourself. Do not let anybody, anybody tell you that this is too tricky for you. You poor, 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 non-techie people. It's absolutely not. And I hate that premise that somehow that this is, sorry, it says it's too it's still too difficult and time consuming, even for people with lots of experience. Robert, we're agreeing to disagree on this. Sorry, mate, but absolutely not. Yes, it is time consuming, but you put that time in because you're trying to create something. Just like knitting a cardigan is time consuming. Just like making a fabulous meal is time consuming. Just like, um, I don't know, parenting is time consuming. It's time consuming, but it's time that you're putting in because you want to achieve a thing. So doing your blog is time consuming, self-hosting it, but you're doing it because you want to achieve a thing. It is absolutely not beyond your abilities to do end of rant i think sometimes y'all i just like to sit back and just watch the skype (laughs) the screen on skype and just let her fucking go because there's not a damn thing i'm gonna even try to add to that i hate it i hate it kayla i hate the concept where people are told that this is beyond you darling i think also maybe as a woman it's something that you've perhaps heard particularly being a, a woman of my age where I've gone through that a lot. Being a photographer, I cannot tell you how many men I've met who try to tell me how my camera works, <laughs> who try to give me advice, like the amount of times I'm out with my camera and they're like, oh, I'm a photographer, blah, and they immediately try to tell you how to do it. And so I'm not accusing you of this, by the way, Robert, but I, I guess you poke a little a thing there where it feels a little bit like uh, what a lot of women hear which is our darling it's too it's too tricky for you darling it's gonna be too much for you fuck off anybody says that to me i will you fuck right off i'm sorry not you robert like please come back at me come back at me um leave another comment we're absolutely happy to have you around i'm not absolutely telling you to fuck off i'm just talking in general men who come at me with the let me teach you how to do this darling in that kind of patronizing manner you fuck right off like uh, i'm done i'm i'm out i know i know my skills if i need help i will ask for help um i am quite happy to learn and be taught but do not tell me that this is too tricky for you it's not too tricky for you out there all you bloggers aspiring bloggers aspiring self-hosters this is not too tricky for you. Go out there, prove people wrong. You can do this. Don't let it be kept as some like secret club that only special techie people can do. Don't do that. Join us. <laughs> Join us in self-hosting craziness. You can do this. Reach out. There's a massive community. People will help you. Yeah, it's not too difficult. I also now recommend I'm that anybody who sit quietly is completely now. fired up by that, like I was, I want you to just, re- you have our permission, that little snippet of Molly Moore telling you, you can do this. Just just take a recording of that little snippet and make it your ringtone, okay? And when you were sitting there going, fuck this shit, I don't know what I'm doing, you just play that and you just let her tell you that, hell yes, you can do this. Um I will say, I'm also a non-techie. I also married my tech support. I also pay Michael a monthly retainer to help me with things because, mm, yes, I do. Um, The more complex you want your site to be, the more difficult it will get. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Sure. That is when you have to decide what 
what what resources you're willing to give up. Do you have time that you can give up? Yeah. Do you have money that you can give up? But to set up your site and get some content going and get it, y'all, you could do this, you could do this, and the help is there. That's the other thing we don't talk about. I think we sometimes think we are supposed to do every single little thing of it our, on our own with uh -huh. no help, and the help is there. The tutorials on YouTube, the community, the people you can yeah. hire, that doesn't mean yeah. that it's too hard for you. It's that you've decided that you the resources you can or want to spend yes. are money instead of time. Yes, you, you can, can learn and evolve with your project. Yes. You can absolutely learn and evolve with your project. And Kayla's absolutely right. As you potentially make more money, you may be like, actually, I can make more money if I spend more time doing whatever it is you're making money with. And, and then I pay somebody to do a whole load of this other stuff and they do that because that's their skill base. So you can do that as you grow, but do not let anybody tell you that you can't do it, that you can't start off, that you can't be self-hosted, that you need special skills, that you need to know how to code. You do not need to know how to code. That's something that you may potentially learn as you go, but even that you might not do. There are people who you can reach out to who can help you with that stuff. So yeah, no. Do it, people. Just do what Molly tells you to. I just think that's the safest route in life in general. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I Sorry. It. I've got to rant. It's not me ranting. It's you. Finally. Finally. Okay. Last question. This we got um, via DM, so I'm not going to say their name just because I don't have permission. But they asked, where do you think it's better to publish one's book? And that's great because that means we've got either published or aspiring erotic authors out there or book writers out there. So I'm glad to have y'all here. Where do you think it's better to publish one's book? Either at an editorial, which I'm assuming you mean like a publishing house or on the internet, for example, Amazon. And the answer is both quite simple and complicated. <laughs> because the answer is it depends. Whichever way you go has its pros and its cons. Before I get started, yeah. I have learned some of this just by doing, and I've learned some of this by watching my erotic author friends, but some of this I have learned because I am constantly watching YouTube these days, and I have a resource on YouTube. I adore her. I'm not actively writing a book right now, and I still watch almost every video she puts out, and her name is Jenna Moresi, M-O-R-E-C-I. Her channel is Writing with Jenna Moresi. Um, she talks about all kinds of different genres, but she will sometimes do topics specific to erotica. So that's in romance. So that's kind of cool. Um, but her advice is on point and she has zero fucks to give. So every once in a while she does what Molly just did and like throws down a truth bomb and is just like, fuck it. <laughs> so I'm going to link to that in the show notes. If you are a writer who is trying to self publish or be traditionally published with your books, I highly recommend her channel. Now, that being said, if you're choosing between do I go to a publisher or do I just do it online, you know, myself, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh -huh. So if you're going to go with a pr publisher who may, depending on the contract, offer print book, hardback, paperback, uh, ebook, uh -huh. and even audiobook, first of all, those are things you can do as a self-published self author yourself. But a traditional publisher will offer you some range of that in the contract. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to be willing to put up with creating your book, putting your masterpiece together, and then pitching it maybe even hundreds of times before somebody says yes. 
Um, what that gets you though, is somebody else who takes on most of the editing, the cover, the putting the book together process, the formatting, all that stuff. It does not get you out of marketing. You will still have to market yourself. If you go, Hey, uh -huh. maybe I just do it myself with Amazon. Well, first of all, Amazon's not the only thing you can do, but it is the biggest. So I understand that at that point, then you have to be, tell yourself, are you willing to put in the time and or money? And it will, if you listen to Jenna Moresi, and I totally agree with her, require money to do everything that the publisher would do for you. So the copy editing, the, the proofreading, the cover, the, like all the stuff that goes into making a really nice, a really good book that has the potential to sell and still do the marketing. The nice thing about self-publishing is you don't have to wait on somebody to give you permission. You just do it yourself and you have total control. But that doesn't mean that you can, you should, or you can, but maybe you shouldn't skip all of the stuff that the traditional publisher will do. Um, so there's gonna be a cost there of time and or money. Uh, both require marketing yourself. The publisher is not gonna automatically market you. They are not even gonna think about it until you're a Stephen King. And then at that point, you don't have to be marketed because you're Stephen King sure. and your name sells books. So yeah. um, it's really, my view on it, and I think other authors might have more nuanced view. My view on it is how impatient am I feeling and how much control do I want? So you, and the other thing is you might want to get an agent who can then market your book for you. And that is another step in the traditional route. There's nothing wrong with it, but it is going to cost. They're going to take a cut of it and you have to pitch yourself to agents before somebody will accept you. And then you have to wait while they pitch you to publishers until somebody accepts you. And it's a long, long process. And for some people that's too damn long. They don't want to wait. I don't think I want to wait that long. Not on fiction, if I ever did fiction again. If I did nonfiction, I want to go the tr more traditional route. There is a middle ground with indie publishers um, where they don't require an agent to to bring them the book and they are usually smaller and they usually have like a very well uh, explained process on their website about how you submit your book to them. And then they'll do a lot of that work for you. Let me promise you, no matter which route you take, big publisher, indie publisher, or self-published, you have to do all the marketing that does not go away. Go ahead and get yourself a website and self-host it. Uh, <laughs> But um, it, it really does, it depends on how much time and effort you're willing to commit to the process. So if you just wanna write the book and then market the book and you want other people to handle the other stuff, traditional might be, or indie might be your way. If you want to know that every step of the process was under your control and happened on basically your schedule, then self-publish might be the way. Uh, but there's no right. right or wrong here. There's also no, real right or wrong on do I only do ebook versus do I offer other options? Ebook on erotica and romance is going to be kind of easier to get in front of people, but hardback, paperback, those are options you can pick. Um, audiobook is another option. There are ways to self-publish your audiobook as well. I am not going to pretend to be an expert on any of that. You need to go follow Jenna Moresi. Like I said, the link to her YouTube channel is in the show links, um, show notes page under the links section. Um, she is fabulous on this. She is a self-published author who went from 
doing it as a side thing and she worked a full-time job and then after her partner had like an accident or a back problem or whatever she became his caregiver and she was still writing part-time and he's mostly recovered and now she's a full-time writer like her money comes from her youtube channel her patreon and her books and that's what she does and so she talks about it a lot and she has a lot of opinions um and she's a great resource so i just think it's it's everything takes time and or money and so it's just a matter of where you want to put your energy and and that's right. the one that's right for you and there is no right or wrong otherwise um so uh -huh. yeah as to that thank you for that question to the person who asked it i'm not sure how much we helped um but that's the thing is to start seeking out the resources of people who will kind of give you objective information on how the different processes work and if you start with jenna moresi on youtube you'll find others from her because she recommends people too all the time so that would be my recommendation for that <laughs> okay we got through all our questions i think yes. so um just as a reminder if you have questions if you have comments if you have thoughts you can reply to a blog post clearly we'll pull from there you can email you can use the ask the smut lancers link you can tweet at us dm us email us we put all of our information in the show notes page so if you are not sure how the hell to get in touch with us you're not already following us online somewhere um go to the smutlancer.com look for this episode and get the information the links are all in there molly's stuff my stuff uh -huh. ask us your questions um and we have this master list that we get we're going through and we're like gonna answer as many as we can and hopefully help yeah. as many people as possible so and yes like you see you can even have comments that disagree with us as long as you're not an asshole we are not assholes back we can have polite differences of opinion and it is okay molly just might rant and i i'm just gonna say there might you never know <laughs> you may kick off a rant as i try to say it's not personal it's just like the it's purely my thoughts my opinion and as i said it's strayed into that little area where I, you feel like someone's saying jude you, you're not clever enough for this don't let anybody tell you that sorry i, I must stop <laughs> The nice thing is we're friends, so anytime you're like, I have to rant, you just call me up on Skype and you just rant to me. It is right. Okay, y'all. We are so happy that you took this time with us. Um, please remember, subscribe to the podcast so you like know when the podcast is available. Um, if you're looking for a community to like grow with and to be able to rant to yourself, consider joining us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the smutlancers. At the five dollar and up level, you get access to our Slack channel, and that is kind of the place to be for serious serious community and fun and inspiration and help and all that stuff and we will see you in the next episode bye <laughs> bye y'all bye, bye.